Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio tonight. So glad that you've joined us here on the show. Jeff, DW, Jason here on the show as your host tonight. And you can be a part of the conversation right now on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTV. That's the HopeNet Radio tweet back. You can also go to HopeNet360.com slash tweet back. Just log in with your Twitter account. You can join in the conversation there and see just a live feed of everything we're talking about here tonight on the show, as well as some other crazy fun things. It's fall. I mean, it's October. We've got a lot of things going on uh, right now. We're excited about this retreat coming up at the end of October called Return to the Word Retreat up at Silver Birch Ranch. And that information is right now on the homepage of HopeNet360.com. You can check that out for yourself. And please I would just come. encourage you. Yeah, please do come and be a part of the weekend with us. It's going to be we a fun time up there. You. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll yeah. be good. We're going to meet you. And you might even see Dave in a kill. Oh, no. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it'd be, so. It'd that, be too cold for that. It would be too cold for that, and and you're just grossed. Like everyone that's listening out, they, they're <laughs> just true. all grossed out. That's true. <laughs> made made my stomach quiver. Yeah, but that's okay. But no, it will be a good time. I think there will be some good seminars, and and like he said, you know, it'll be fun to meet everybody, meet some of our listeners, and um, hopefully it'll be a nice weekend. Yep. So yeah, and yeah, come on up. And all this month, I mean, there's been so many different ways that young people have been challenged to stand up for what they believe and for their faith. You know, we had See You at the Pole last month. We just had Fields of Faith. And this retreat is all geared to helping you get back into the Word of God and, and establishing some of those basic things. A lot of times what ends up happening is life gets busy. It gets crazy. This is the time of year, and I remember it when I was in high school growing up, I was so focused on my soccer season. So when October hit, this was kind of like the time where you get ready for the playoffs. You're like, you're ready for competing at a, a higher level uh, with your team. So, so you, were, you were a soccer player? I, I was, yes. Okay. I admire that. I mean, you had to run. You know, I, I played football where we only have to work out like five seconds at a time. <laughs> you football yeah. players, I, you I really don't know. I understand how these soccer guys could run like hours. Run nonstop. Yeah, yeah. we played a lot in Northern Ireland, and I ended up just playing goalkeeper. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you. After about five minutes running up and down the field, I'm like, all right, tap out, I'm done. Yeah. I'll just block the ball. You know, up here, it's kind of like what we do in the winter. We play that animal ball thing on the ice. That's true. You know, and it's like nonstop if you're really playing hard, but. Well, if you can get going on the ice, it's yeah. not stop. Yeah. I, I enjoyed no, that. I, like I went those... to Winter Jam and played that. That I love that. We called that yeah. broom ball, except this was kind of, some, most of it was ice. So Without brooms. Yeah, without brooms. Yeah. yeah, with sticks. It's really kind of interesting. You know, you during this time of year, I you know, I used to like watching football, actually, but as I'm getting older, I fall asleep in between plays. <laughs> I mean, it takes that long. <laughs> well, it's because you watch the thing. Packers. Yeah. Oh. Oh. That's true. <laughs> However, I do want to declare that in, in Packerland, Jay Cutler is our most valuable player. We still love him. <laughs> and we certainly hope uh, the Bears never get rid of this man. Well, uh, you might get your wish. Yeah. Thank you. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we do digress. Anyway, right now, the Hope Day Radio tweet back. Join in the conversation. We're talking about some fun stuff going on. It's a fun time of year. I, mean, I know sometimes it can be crazy. Things get busy and things get kind of out of control for a season. But I just encourage you to check out HopeNet360.com and just check out this Return of the Word retreat. It's a reasonably priced event, and we would love for you guys to come on out to meet us. And we can meet you guys, connect with you, and just have a great weekend up at Silver Birch Ranch. So tonight, guys, our conversation, since we've been watching a lot of these young people and and seeing things around our country uh, happening, both positive and negative with our young people, a lot of positives when it comes to see you at the poll, fields of faith and young people standing up for their faith Uh, i get excited about that stuff i don't know about you guys but i get really excited when i see young people take on themselves to follow christ to to decide to live for christ to actually live it out and put it into action you guys get excited about young people living out their faith yeah i think it's really good you know i I had the opportunity um to speak at uh, the local fca in in anago and it was fun to go there and just see all the students that come out uh you know every other i think it was a wednesday morning 
and and just get encouraged by the word. You know, in, in the room, there was probably about 60, 70 students. And I think back to when I was in high school and there was something similar. But, I mean, we had 1,200 students at my high school growing up, and I think there was about seven people at that meeting. And so to be at a school that was you know, that is smaller in size and to see that much turnout. Like, I, I think that there's just so much that they can go with and be encouraged by, you know. And so when you have these activities like See You at the Pole and other things that pop up, it's a great platform then for them to, to step out and live out their faith. Yeah, you know, I think people are actually looking for genuine faith. Yeah. I mean, they are. Yeah. I think that's what attracts people around the world to things like e- even um, the Islam religion where, where, where they're dedicated to something. I think people want to check out what are they dedicated to. I don't know if you're aware of it, but there's there's kids over in the Middle East that are taking on uh, ISIS, mm. and and how we used to do the ice buck, bucket challenge, mm-hmm. they're doing a burn the, uh, an ISIS flag challenge, oh, wow. uh, and, which is very interesting. Mm. And and you know what? They're they're standing up and challenge. And, and what I understand is that you know they're risking their lives doing this, but they're trying to get like in America enough numbers of people to do it and that kind of thing. And mm. what's interesting is is that we tend to look at people who are courageous. Mm-hmm. and want to follow them. But the, the trouble is you, you need to make sure you're following somebody who's actually following God. Mm, right. And, and that's the difference because mm-hmm. you can be courageous on a lot of things. I've seen guys say, yeah, we could, uh, you know, we could probably parasail off this cliff. You know, it's mm-hmm. like probably, you know, it's a whole different story to grab a parasail and jump, yeah. you know, at that point. Yeah. And, and, and I think we have to be careful in our lives not to just admire courage uh, or or admire somebody that takes a stand on something, but admire those who actually live within the context of truth and takes a stand. That's mm-hmm. a little different because I think all of us can. I mean, in football, we used to have a guy, since it's fall and it's football season, we, we used to have a guy that I thought was just out of his mind in college when we were playing. He would catch a punt, and he would always catch it on a full run. He could somehow time it oh, wow. so that he would be running full speed when he caught it. You want to talk about collisions? Oh, my goodness. This guy got killed. He would never do a fair catch or anything. And he, he would do this full speed. And I thought, man. Now, I'm telling you something. I admired his courage. Yeah. I would never do it. Yeah. yeah. Never. I am sure today he can't remember his address. You know, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's one of those things. But that's the way life goes sometimes. Right. I think sometimes we admire the wrong people yeah. just because they're courageous. What is faith, after all? I mean, we're, we're saying we're throwing that word around. What, what really is it? You know, and I think that's a really good question because oftentimes, especially in all culture, we really throw that word around and, and we don't necessarily know, all right, what do you have faith in? You know, right. I can have faith in my car. I can have faith in, you know, my, you? my possessions. Should you have faith in your car? You know, I think, I think it's a different sort of faith. Okay, but you can have faith but in I it. But I can have faith in it. You so know, you I, drove it here today? I drove it here today and I need it to. And yeah. so it works well and so I need to... And you expected it to work? And I expect it to work well, so there's faith in that. Okay, so why do you trust your car? The reason, I, I mean, it's proven itself to be reliable, right. you know, and so I, I put my faith in the fact that it'll continue to be reliable. So day after day, you might go 365 days, go there, turn the key, yep. and it actually works. And it actually works. So, yeah. so you don't think much about it. When it doesn't work, that's unusual, right? Right. Okay. So, so that's interesting. Now, do you trust uh, your wife? I do. Why? I've I've had the opportunity to get to know her, spend time with her, and she's just you know in a, in a way proven herself to be trustworthy and and somebody that I can depend on. Okay, you are know. there people you don't trust? Yeah, who? You know, who? And uh, don't tell me who, but why? <laughs> Forget the who. Why? Forget the who. Why? I, I, the reason why is because they they've either they've either lied or disappointed or haven't come out on what they've promised to do. Yeah. You know, and so they're not dependable anymore. Do you think there's people that are that are kind of feeling that way about God? They don't trust them mm. because they think God lied or wasn't dependable. Or I think I think that's the hard part. You know, especially because we, we're so in in. You want it in front of you, and you want to see it, and you want to feel it, and you want to grasp it. And I think God sometimes, you know, isn't right there all the time, and so people blame Him for not being there when crazy situations happen. They're like, "All right, where was God in this?" Yeah. I mean, you look at all of the disasters that we have the first response that people have is, where was God in this? Yeah. Well, I think if you talk about your wife, or we talk about God, or we talk... See, I think the deal is here. If somebody doesn't trust your wife, and I know who she is, yeah. they don't know her. Right. If yeah. somebody doesn't trust God, I would say the same thing. Yeah. If, if somebody that's listening today is struggling with trusting God, with really having faith in God, 
Mm-hmm. I would just suggest that they really spend time getting to know him because I, I don't think you know him. Right. And and that's said from somebody who does know him and, mm-hmm. and spends time with him. So I don't know. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. And we're going to talk more about faith in Christ because that's ultimately, that has to be first and foremost. And when we talk about terms, we talk about what makes us a Christian. I think it's important to recognize that being a Christian isn't just one dimensional. It's not just, you know, maybe you go to church or maybe you've read the Bible before. So that makes you a Christian. Well, then I could just walk into McDonald's and, and say that I'm the Hamburglar just because I, I have been to McDonald's before, well, you know, or, or I'm not sure that I'd want to be the Hamburglar, but it doesn't mean because you just go to one thing or you know somebody that it ultimately makes you that kind of a person. But I, I think sometimes we reduce it to very simplistic meaning. And I think tonight our conversation is going to be a little bit more in depth about how we put that into action. So join the conversation right now on Twitter. We're on the HopeNet Radio Tweetback. Use the hashtag HNRTB. You can also email us anytime on the show at hope at hopenet360.com. We'll be back with more here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting, stressed out, need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at hopenet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Tonight on the show, we're talking about putting your faith into action. You can join in on the HopeNet Radio Tweetback going on right now at hopenet360.com slash tweetback. Or just jump on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. We love reading your comments. And the conversation is going to continue until about 10 o'clock Central Time Why do they call that the pound sign? Why, do you why don't they the, call it the pound sign? Why, why the hashtag? Because it's a hashtag. It's now in the dictionary. In my life, it was a pound sign. Well, now it's hashtag. Well, get your act together. <laughs> <laughs> it's still pound when you're dialing a number, but we're not just well, dialing Well, not anymore. anymore. It's a hashtag. You told me it's in a dictionary. So now I got it. If they say hit the hashtag key. Yeah, hashtag, number right. sign, yeah. whatever. It's What's just next? to add to Nine it. is going to be called 12 in the future? I don't know. I give up. <laughs> Another multiple meaning word in the American I language. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Hey, anyway, tweet, tweet. you can join the tweet yeah. back right now. We're talking about putting your faith into action, and uh, someone's going to have to educate Dave on this whole hashtag. You can join thing. us on the pound, at, <laughs> at, at, the pound H and whatever. RTB. <laughs> H and RTB. The pound H and RTB. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> or hashtag. Your gray hairs are showing or on the radio, hashtag. Dave. What? Said so your gray hairs are, are showing on the radio. Yeah, that could happen. <laughs> so send send Dave a tweet and make him feel loved. And throw in a hashtag there for you, HNRTB. Yeah, throw in, throw in a pound sign. All right. Hey, guys, when we read the Bible, we're talking about faith. We read the Bible, and I don't. if you've read through it, you find all these different people who have done things, some really great things in the name of God, people who stood up for their faith, people who uh, stood up in a fire. When they should have been killed. You know, they were in a fiery furnace, and we talked about these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how God spared their life. And then you read Daniel in the lion's den, and you read about Noah and this ark, this boat that he built that nobody had ever done something like this before. And all these different stories of people who believed God on something very simplistic, and God fulfilled his promise to them. And we see this over and over and over and over again in the Bible. And I just wonder why we struggle with putting our faith into action today. You know, I, th- I think we make it too difficult, actually. I think, you know, this faith thing seems to be a mystery to everybody. Like, people who have a lot of faith are really gifted and that kind of thing. Let, let me ask you guys something. Uh, both Jeff and, and Jason, are you guys married? Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. Has it affected your life being married? Yeah. Well, totally. Yeah. All right. How? It just changes the way that you do life. I mean, I got married when I was 27, and my wife was 27 as well, and up until that point, we were single. And now when you get married, all of a sudden, your life has changed because it's not just about you anymore. Mm. And you have to think about the other person, and so it, it changes the way you think. It changes the way that you interact with other people because you don't just plan your own timeline. You kind of do it together. You know, and everything that you do, the decisions you make directly impact you know, your wife. And all of a sudden it becomes, you know, you spend time with them and you get to know them more. And the more you get to know them, the more you just love them, you know. Right. And, but, so, and and you, Jeff, is that similar? I mean, is your life any different since you've got married and you have uh, kids and uh, and so does Jason? I mean, does, does it make a difference? Oh, of course. I mean, and even with kids, it changes it to a different level too, because, you know, my wife and I got married, I was 20, 22 and she was twenty. Four, no, 23, almost 24. 
so we got married kind of young. I mean, it, it depends. I mean, Jason being 27 uh, and, and you guys being a bit older, you guys had to go through some of those 20-somethings in a different way than I did. So there's different transitions. There's different kinds of seasons, and um, you have to learn how to communicate because <laughs> that's a big part of it. We talked about trust, and, and I have to agree. I mean, relationship, trust is freely given up front, but once it's broken, once it's been damaged or it's been wrecked, uh, it's hard to trust again, and and so I think the trust thing is a it's a little bit more complicated. But that's that's what I find in my life. I freely give trust to people. It's just once they hurt it, or if I've been hurt at a, a deeper level by someone who I really did trust or who was really close to me, then it's harder to trust some people up front, even even strangers. And yeah. do you remember the time before you guys were married? And and maybe Facebook wasn't prevalent back then, but you know you look on Facebook and people are in relationships, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, exactly, but it means they're probably seeing each other. And in the in the process of understanding that, if you were dating somebody, if you remember those days, let's say you were dating somebody and some other girl walked by and you said, well, I think I'll date her today. <laughs> it, it, is that what happens? I mean, do you change who you're dating very quickly or if you're in a relationship with somebody? Is that even acceptable? I, I, I don't think that would fly. No. You know, just because of the way that relationships are meant to be, you know, in order to actually get to know somebody, you got to spend time with them. And so if you were to do, um, like, girlfriend roulette, uh, uh, per se, where you do a different one every day, it's like you wouldn't even get yeah. to know anybody because you would just see them and they'd be gone and be on to the next so one. So when you were dating your wife, I mean, yeah. and, and you call her one night and say, look, I'd love to go out tonight, but I'm going out with uh, Betty Lou instead. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll catch you next week. Would that have flown? Oh, not a chance. She'd be like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very interesting. So what I'm what I'm getting at is very simple. You know, there are people that say they have a relationship with God. Yeah. Really? How's it show? Mm. That's my question. I can tell you're married. I've been married 34 years. People can really, you know, I act married. I act married completely. And I mean, it's like no surprise to anybody. Yeah. Uh, it's not even that hard for me to act married. Yeah. Not after all these years. Mm-hmm. But in the, in, the, in the essence, I remember uh, years ago, a young guy got married, came back after a couple of weeks in their honeymoon, or, or it was a honeymoon and a little more time, so maybe a month. And I was talking to him, and I said, so how's marriage going? He goes, it stinks. I said, no kidding. I don't hear that a lot. You know I mean? It's like, no kidding. And, and he goes, yeah. He says, you know, my wife wants to know where I am all the time. And, and he went on like this. He, he said, you know, like uh, I, I, after work, I want to go out with the boys and do something. And so I'd go do that. I get home late. And she goes, where were you? It's like, well, I'm not a child. You know, I mean, I can go do what I want. I'm thinking yeah. after he talked for a while, I looked at him and said, do you know you got married? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. don't you understand? Like yeah. when you get married, things change. And I think yeah. there's a lot of people out there that are um, trying to be Christian that way. Yeah. Don't you understand what Jesus did for you? Don't you understand that God loves you? Don't you understand that you're in a relationship with God? I mean, don't you get it? it we make it too complicated. We, you know, I don't have any rules in my marriage. I mean, Linda and I don't sit down and have, like, here's the sheet of rules. Yeah. If you empty the dishwasher, you love me. If you, I mean, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. And yet people do that with God. It's like, let's give them a bunch of rules so that they will act a certain way so mm-hmm. that they know they're Christian. Right. Well, how about just loving God and acting like it? Mm-hmm. Is that too complicated? I think sometimes we just want to like segment our life, you know, and we, we've talked about this before in the show where, you know, we want God in our lives when it's beneficial. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as, you know, that impacts the way that we want to have fun or the way that we want to do things, that's when we say, well, you know, I'm going to kind of leave God at home. But you wouldn't apply that to your marriage. And, and that's the crazy thing. I mean, you thing. wouldn't do that. You wouldn't right. say, I want my wife in my life as long as it's beneficial. But when it's not, <laughs> I'll just I'm going to have somebody else in my life. Right. Oh, oh no, that's not <laughs> no, going to work. Yeah, it wouldn't fly. <laughs> You know, but it, it is interesting that we that we treat our relationship with God like that. Yeah. Um, and we say we have faith or we're in a relationship with God or we're a Christian or something. And I'm sitting there thinking, really? What does that mean? Yeah. Because <laughs> it doesn't look like you're actually loving God. Yeah. It looks to me like you actually love your wife. And, and likewise right. with Jeff and, and hopefully in my life. It, it looks that way. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't look sometimes when someone says they're a Christian like they love Jesus. And that's where I think we get uh, something going on that's driving people nuts. Right. And I think it's also important to point out, too, that none of us are perfect in that. None of us are perfect as a husband or a wife. There may have been moments in your past, in your marriage, that you've really made mistakes. And I just want to encourage you, if you've been living under guilt or condemnation for the things that you've made mistakes on, if you've owned up to them and you've repented, you've sought God's appeal from that, and you've sought your wife's forgiveness, your husband's forgiveness, 
don't let the enemy hold that over your head any longer. I, I just want to encourage yeah. you with that because it, it can mm-hmm. seem like, you know, we try to do things so much in our own strength and we try to be perfect. And once we make mistakes, sometimes if, if there's not forgiveness in a marriage, it's really hard to move on from those moments. And I just yeah. want to encourage you guys, if you need forgiveness tonight, number one, God offers it freely. If you want to chat with a live coach tonight, I encourage you to do that. Go to hopenet360.com and talk to a live coach. And I also want to encourage tonight, if there needs to be reconciliation, maybe in your marriage or dating relationship or any other kind of friendships in your life, I just want to encourage you to, to consider what God says about that and to seek him and, and allow his spirit to work in your heart on those things because those can be hard things to manage and and just go through and and guys I'm sure you've been there in in those moments where you've made mistakes in your marriage and you've had to own up to them and it's embarrassing I mean it's it's disappointing for both people and and you expect better both of you expect better to me is that's always the most frustrating thing is when I have to you know repent and ask forgiveness and and uh, that can be hard to do when somebody does forgive you act forgiven would you I mean that's what you have to do because they have forgiven you if you love God, act like you love him. If you're married, act like you're married. Mm-hmm. If you're forgiven, act like you're forgiven. And I think there's a lot of distress in our lives when we act like we're not. And I think that's one of the things that keeps people from living their faith in action because we hold, we allow Satan to hold those things over our head to say, you're not good enough to tell your, your story about who God is. You're not good enough to share the good news of Jesus with somebody else because you've made mistakes I just want to encourage you. We're going to talk more about that more on the show. Also, remember, we do podcast every single show. You can check that out more at HopeNet360.com or on iTunes. Thank you guys so much for subscribing to our podcast. We're going to pick this conversation up more when we come back here on the show here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Jason, Dave, Jeff here on the show with you guys tonight. Thanks for joining us on HopeNet Radio. Remember, you can jump on the Tweetback right now at HopeNet360.com slash Tweetback. Guys, one of the hardest things, I think, in a marriage relationship, any kind of relationship in general, is once you've made a mistake and you've asked for forgiveness, maybe uh, your mistake has ended up costing you maybe a few dollars or maybe some time behind a a prison wall. You know, this is one of those things where in our culture, uh, our world tends to remind us over and over of the mistakes that we've made. That's just normal human process. We, We have a hard time forgetting those hurts in our past. And so if we've been hurt, if someone's been hurt in a relationship, Guys, how do we work through this forgiveness thing? We're talking about forgiveness. We're talking about putting faith in action. I think one of the hangups is that we have not allowed us, one of the hangups to living out your faith or putting your faith into action is that we haven't allowed forgiveness to really take place in our heart. Yeah. You know, I think you have to see yourself for who you are and understand that God loves you even though he knows who you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's an amazing thing when you think about it, that God loves you and, and actually knows everything about you and he still loves you. Yeah, that's what's incredible to me when you when you put that into perspective, my goodness, then your life becomes something that's a little different. Um, Trying to to perform for somebody is not what you want to do. Performing gets very tiring. I don't know. There's there could be some people listening to us today that are really tired with life. They're tired. And I think they're tired because performing is tired. Yeah, that's a that's a tiring thing to do. Reality is not that tiring. It really isn't. I mean. Because you don't have to act, you don't have to, you don't have to pretend, you don't have to remember what you said before, you don't have to, so you don't have to do that, so it's not tiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I know the police sometimes, if they're trying to get a story from somebody, they, they try and ask them several times the same question. They're trying to see if the story changes. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's really hard to remember all the lies. Yeah. But the yeah. truth is easy to remember. Mm-hmm. See, I think that our listeners, some of them today are feeling badly about life. And here's what I think is happening. I, I think in their life, they have not understood the immense love of God. They think he's a judging God. And he will judge those who don't come to him. But, but he's a loving God, and his desire is to have you in his family. And he looks at you the way you actually are right now, warts and all, everything that's not cool, and he loves you, and he wants you to be in his family. So much so. Um, and we've talked about this. It's the analogy of, a, of, of somebody maybe in another country that's an orphan little boy or girl that, that has no hope and no way of getting hope, and they're not healthy, and they, they're rude, and they're, they're living in a, in a garbage dump, and somebody looks at them, 
and says, I have the resources. I know that your life is not what it should be. I know you haven't lived the way you could. And I have the resources to bring you into my family and help change everything about your life. And then to have that child come in and want to go live at the dump again would be a, a terrible thing. In, in that sense, because they're offering them so much more. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if we can just think about what God offers us, knowing who we are. Now, one of the special things about being married to, for me is that my dear wife has seen me at my very best, and she has seen me at my very worst. Mm-hmm. And she's still dedicated to me. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know that I would be after I've seen me at my very worst. <laughs> but, but she is. Now, that is love right there. That's what I can trust. Mm-hmm. And and God can do that to a, a degree that's greater than any human, and he has. Yeah, I think the, the verse that really sticks out in my mind is, is in Romans 5, 8. You know, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Yet while we were still sinners, Christ gave his life for us. You know, and so when 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 the, the whole before the foundation of the world began and there was this plan put into place, you know, to save us from our sin, God knew that we're sinners. And even in light of that, he still sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross and take that punishment for us. You know, yeah. I think we forget that. Like you said, you know, that's the truth that we're facing is that God knows that we're screw-ups. And yet he's still offering his son to forgive us on our behalf. And I think that's the, the most powerful thing that I think we, we put on the back burner and we don't realize the impact that it has on our daily life. Yeah, and we get worn out trying to be good enough. Right. I mean, we do. Yeah. We, we, we don't measure up. But here's what reality does for me. It says... Dave Wager is a sinful person, Mm -hmm. and I fall short of what God made me. But God, who loves me, wants to work in my life and allow me to become what I could become. Mm -hmm. He wants to erase uh, the idea of us being separated. He wants us to be united like we're supposed to be, and he'll pay the price. He'll do the work. I just need to let him. Whoa, I can remember that. You know, the the thing I can't remember are the like bazillion of rules that, that we make up to come to God. Yeah. I can't remember those, but I can remember the fact that I'm sinful. Yeah. I know that. And, and if not, you can have any, ask anyone I work with, ask anyone I live with, they'll tell you he is sinful. Yeah. But the bottom line really is that God's forgiven me those sins, mm. and I need to start acting forgiven. Now, those that are listening today, I'm not sure if, if they're in God's family or not. See, mm-hmm. if you do religious stuff, you get baptized, you go run around and stand up, sit down, give money to the poor, those are all nice things. But, but that's not what satisfies God. What satisfies him is, is just our neediness and us knowing it. A little orphan child just needs to know that they need help and that they can't do it on their own. Mm-hmm. And, and they need to accept a, a hand that reaches out to them. And, and same with us. Dave Wager is an orphan child in this world without any hope, without anywhere to go, without any way to make it. And God says, I will let you in my family. Yeah. Here's how. I'm going to send my son, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God so loved that he gave. Why did he give? Because I could not make it without it. He Mm -hmm. paid the price for me to be back in his family. And he did it through Jesus. What do I have to do? I need to accept that. I need to accept the fact that I am sinful, that he knows it, and that I'm separated from him. And then accept the fact that God has offered me reconciliation or offered for me to be in his family. And, and, and when I take the gift that he offers, Jesus Christ, and I apply that to me, and I say, God, thank you for sending your son to this earth to die for me, to take my place. I am welcomed into his family now. Mm. And that's all he's asked. You know, some will say, well, why is it Jesus? Why can't it be something else? I don't know. Ask God. <laughs> he's the one that did it this way. Yeah. It's, it, it's like he gets to choose because we've offended him with our sin he gets to decide what needs to be done. And it is not God's desire that anybody in this world end up in hell or be separated from him. Mm-hmm. It's his desire that we actually are in his family and that we get to love him. Yeah. And, you know, once you're in, in his family, then there's, you know, then there's also a commitment, you know, that, that comes with that. And I, guys, we said a very interesting story. We talked about people who have a hard time being forgiven, acting forgiven. Uh, there's a very interesting story that Jesus tells. He tells a, a parable in Luke 10. 
And it's about this story, and most of us have heard it, many of us have heard it, the story of the Good Samaritan. I just want to read this to you because I think it, it lines up perfectly with a lot of different things that we're talking about today, how Jesus incorporates this kind of people. And, and so Luke ten twenty five to 37 reads just like this. It says, One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. He said, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but also he passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. So Jesus asked him, which one would you say the man was a neighbor to who was attacked by the bandits? And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. So Jesus ends with it, and he says, go do the same. Jesus is talking about this whole eternal life thing, and we're talking about the Christian life. We're talking about faith. Faith is, in, in the Christian context, is past, it's present, and it's future. It's talking about the things that we've messed up on. It's talking about what we do today. It matters to God. And also what happens in eternity once we pass from this life to the next, where there's going to be a point where we die. We're no longer here on earth, but there's something else to know that there is either a heaven or a hell that waits for us. And, and we get to decide today what, what that route is going to be, if we're going to spend eternity with God in heaven. And that's exactly what this guy, this is a teacher of the law. He was he probably knew the answer to this question and he was trying to catch Jesus in a false teaching and, and one of those things. But he Jesus, was making it too complicated. He's making it too complicated. That's exactly what it is, Dave. And we yeah. do that over and over and over again. But this is the question that we're trying to answer tonight is okay, so I have faith. What do I do with it? How does it affect my past, my present, and my future? So we're going to tackle this more in the second half of the show. Remember, you can chat with a live coach right now at HopeNet360.com. Also, jump on the tweet back right now if you're just tuning in. Jump on the tweet back, HopeNet360.com slash tweet back, or use the hashtag HNRTB. We'll be right back. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. Glad that you've joined in here on the show. Remember, the Tweetback is going right now at HopeNet360.com slash Tweetback. Sounds it's just like back. that on my phone and my iPad right now. Uh, but back. you can join in on Twitter as well. Join the hashtag HNRTB. Just pound. launch a tweet out. We're not talking about hashtags. We're talking about pound signs. Pound signs. So are you talking like the British pound sign, like money? That too. No, <laughs> no. That, that I'm protesting. Work. In my age, I'm protesting the change of our language. That was a pound sign. A pound sign is that little thing that looks like an L over in Britain. No, I don't want to do that. They don't know what they're doing over there. I mean, <laughs> Dave, you know, I think you're I think you're off the trend, Dave, because you're going up in that age bracket of the early adopter mode again. So, yeah, but you know what? I mean, I'm with like the rest of the world. Going to Canada sometime. You know who's on their money? The Who? Queen. You think they're tied to England somehow? No, huh? But hmm. she's still on their money. Interesting. Yeah. Think about that. So why did we change from pound to hashtag? We're so quick in this country to change things at work. Maybe they're slow in Canada to change things at pound. I don't know. What are we talking about, Jeff? <laughs> Join us on the tweet back right now. HNRTB is the hashtag. Whether you use pound the sign. pound sign or you use the hashtag sign, as long as you get there. That's all that matters to me. Just leave your thoughts, share your thoughts. We closed up the last segment. If you missed the first half of the show, make sure you catch the podcast also at HopeNet360.com later tonight. Uh, but do check that out. Check out some of the past shows we've done. Uh, been some incredible conversations. We talked about the See with the Poll stuff that was going on a couple weeks back, and we just had Fields of Faith, and what a great night that was. I had a chance to be out at, at Southwest High School here in the Green Bay area, and 
that was it was a lot of fun. It was cool to see a lot of students step up and and stand up for what they believed in and just say, "Hey, I'm I'm not going to just be a sideline Christian anymore. I'm going to get in the game. I'm going to put my faith into action." And we're talking about the story that Jesus tells in Luke 10, talking about this good Samaritan. Guys, I'd like to know your thoughts more on this story of the good Samaritan. I see so many distinctives of the story. You know, you talk about the Samaritan person, you talk about uh, the, the priest and then the temple assistant who walked by, and, and they decided not to help this guy who was beat up and left for dead on the road. Yeah, you know, you can only speculate why they didn't help. I mean, uh, Jesus tells the story trying to show this guy that's making life complicated that it's not as complicated as he's making it. And in the process, um, he's saying, you know, there was one guy that helped somebody else because they needed it. And Christianity is about loving the Lord your God and loving each other. Let me help define that. And we talked about that earlier. If, if you're not one who has accepted the forgiveness of God, if you're not one who, is, who has put their trust in Jesus to uh, be the payment for your sin and you haven't understood your sinful condition, well, then you're not in God's family at this point. And so you, you can't do the, the simple thing of just acting like you love God and, because you don't love him and you don't know him at this point. And, and there's an entry point into this family. And then secondly, after you do that, you realize how you were wired or how you were made. And you were made to love other people. Mm-hmm. And that's all Jesus was saying is you were made to do two things. Now, when you think about being made to do something, if you don't do it, that, that means you're malfunctioning in a way. And mm-hmm. how can you be happy if you malfunction? Mm-hmm. But you were made to do two things. You were made to love God. And, and we do that through Jesus. And you were made to love each other. And why are we going to make that complicated? I, I think if you're going to show your faith, if your faith is in action, you're going to do those two things, and you're going to act as if those two things are actually important to you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the key point at the end there is that when we, re, when we talk about putting our faith in action, it really comes to knowing that truth, knowing that God loves you, and that from that we're, we're designed and created to put others before ourselves. And we look, when you try to put that in practical application, it's putting others before yourselves. I mean, we may not f- face a situation where somebody's beat up on the side of the street, but I think we face situations each and every day where we can put others before ourselves. You know, whether it's at school, if we see somebody being bullied, if we see, you know, somebody not being included in the group, you know, it's, it's a small decision sometimes where you can just say, hey, I'm going to try to include this person. I'm going to try to put this other person's need before myself. Yeah. And that's when people start realizing, you know what, that person, you're living for something. And it becomes contagious because yeah. you can tell somebody who's genuine versus somebody who's just trying to put on the act, yeah. I think, a lot of the and time. And, you know, I, I actually saw my dad do that where the guy got beat up, just mm-hmm. like the Good Samaritan. We were out at um, California. We were doing the Rose Bowl parade thing where you stay out on the street all night and wait for the roses to come by. Uh, why? I'm not sure we did that. But, you know, we, we were. And I was young. <laughs> and uh, all night people are on the street, right? And, they, and they're drinking like crazy and all yeah. kinds of stuff. Well, there was a, a fight that broke out behind us. And there were these two guys. And they, they had this other guy down, and they were beating his face on the sidewalk, and there was blood, like, flying everywhere. And, and, and the crowd was gathering and just watching it. My mm-hmm. dad got up and, and just knifed through the crowd, grabbed those two guys and threw them off this guy, <laughs> and started wiping up the blood off this guy and taking care of him. Mm-hmm. Now, here we were in California on vacation. He's supposed to be on a vacation for being a pastor, mm-hmm. you know, I thought. Yeah. But, but here he was. He's the guy that knifed through everybody and... and you know, as a kid, I'm going, whoa, I've never even seen him throw somebody away like that. I mean, I forgot he grew up in the inner city of Chicago. I forgot he actually knew how to fight. I mean, yeah. you, you don't think about that as a kid, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. but it, it's like this instinct took in where my dad couldn't watch somebody get beat up. Yeah. He went in and stood right in between them. Now, this guy that got beat up wouldn't let him help him anymore. He helped him to a certain point and he just didn't want any more help and left. Mm-hmm. My dad yeah. came over, wiped the blood, you know, I mean, just sat with us mm-hmm. and went on like nothing ever happened, you know, but it was one of those moments that I still remember, and I'm 58 years old, that, you know, here's a guy who lived out. There were people standing there cheering and watching and, and, and all kinds of conditions, but there was one guy that got up out of the crowd and went and helped somebody who was really in need. Mm. And, and, and to me, that was, all right, my dad really knows God, and he really lives like he does. I mean, he really acts like he loves God and loves people. He acts that way. Yeah. And I lived with him, so I knew that he acted that way. But I, I didn't ever see it on the street with a stranger. I mean, my thing would have been, ah, well, that guy's getting beat up. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was a kid. Probably that was a good move, you know, in, in that sense. Uh, but not my dad. And I thought, well, he's rushing in. He's going to get beat up. Well, yeah. he had fire in his eyes. He didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so That's interesting. You know, I, I always, when I read this story, it, 
You know, to me, it's I always ask why Jesus is telling it the way he's telling it. I mean, it's a story. It's a parable. It, does, it may or may not have actually happened. Um, but he uses three distinct people. He uses, you know, a person who knows the law of God. He knows pretty much everything about the Torah and what they what the Jewish culture teaches. And, and so this guy was a very respected, this priest would have been a very respected person in the Jewish culture. And he uses a temple worker, someone who is probably a Levite, someone who uh, doesn't do the teaching, but he just takes care of everyday tasks. Maybe he did some administrative things for the priests or uh, stuff around the, the around the temple. So this is also someone else that should have a little bit maybe more time to help this person. And then you see this Samaritan who, you know, quite honestly would be someone that the Jewish culture would say is not worthy of being in God's family. They're they're outcasts. They're a half-breed kind of a thing. Uh, the Jewish culture is very much about lineage. You read through that. If you actually read through some of the Old Testament books, you start stumbling over all the different names in there because they're, they're very much about lineage, who their family bloodline is from. It's also very significant in looking at Jesus' bloodline, too, because uh, there's some very prophetic things. We're not going to get into that, but prophetic things about Jesus and who he'd be born from the line of David. And uh, all the way through the Old Testament, greats, if you will, which is talked about in Hebrews 11 a little bit more. Um, But this good Samaritan, this person who in our day and age, this would be someone who says, I'm not good enough to be in God's family. And yet they decided to do something that was good, that was positive. And and Jesus himself said, this is what pleases God. This is this is how, I mean, not to get eternal life, but this is an act that is so notable in Jesus' yeah. eyes. And, and Jesus is just on an equivalent level with this teacher um, answering his question. He's like, this is what I expect. This is what I'd love to see people doing. Yeah, people who, who are proud of themselves and their accomplishments and their brain have a really hard time coming to God. Mm-hmm. And, and God, Jesus points that out like all the time. Look at the people that Jesus used for lessons. I mean, this guy, the Good Samaritan, um, the, the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, mm-hmm. the widow and her might. I mean, those of you that are familiar with Bible stories, let me just uh, tell you that, that Jesus looks at those who have nothing often mm-hmm. and says, I can give you something. And, and he does because they're the ones that recognize their need. There are people listening to us today that are very miserable. And, and part of the reason is they've never recognized their need. They need Jesus. They need to be in God's family. And that's why we invite you. Go to hopenet360.com. There's uh, live coaches waiting to, to talk to you now and say, look, I'm miserable. I need to be in God's family. Help me out here. You know, it's important that, that we understand that because we're miserable a lot of times because we choose to make it so complicated that we can't make it happen at all. Yeah, it is. This story, again, it's very interesting, and, and it's not a complicated story, but it has a very profound meaning to it. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the Good Samaritan story and a bunch of other, if you have any stories of how you've stood up for your faith, we'd love to hear that right now on the HopeNet Radio Tweetback. What are some ways that you've stood up for your faith and lived out, put your faith into action recently? Chat with us on the HopeNet Radio Tweetback right now on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB or go to HopeNet360.com slash Tweetback. More here on the show when we come back here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. All right, we're sitting down with Brooke. And Brooke, you you follow us on Twitter. You've been listening to the show a bit here. And it's fun and exciting for me to be able to have you on the show tonight. Glad that you can able to... Glad that you're able to sit down with us tonight and share your hashtag. So what's your hashtag tonight, Brooke? Uh, my hashtag is hi- uh, hashtag high school probs. Oh, really? Yep. So what are some high school probs, do you think? Uh, probably, definitely clicky people, like groups and stuff. A lot more work, like a lot more peer pressure. And then... In what ways do you find young girls are, are pressured at school, like peer pressure stuff? What kinds of things do you see? Around school, like uh, a lot of girls, like not just girls, like a lot of like people just, uh, I guess, just like change who they are, like fake, I guess, who they are, try and fit in a different group or surround themselves with a bunch of people who they like think are super cool or um, they should like be friends with. I guess just like a lot of people struggle with relationships and stuff like a lot of people can like rush, like hop right into like boyfriend, girlfriends, like stuff like that. And a lot of like backstabbing too between a lot of girls. Mm, so. Yeah. Have you found that to be a lot of your high school time? Yeah. There's a 
big amount between people I hang out with, a big group of, uh, like, backstabbing or just, like, I guess, uh, just, like, sneaky things, I guess. So how do you handle that? Um, I mean, I guess, like, a lot of it's, like, it's really hard and stuff, but I've been through it, and uh, I guess I just, like, prayed a lot about it and, like, just switched up people who I hung out with or just, like, actually, like, sat down took the time out to realize that some of the people I hang out with I really should not be hanging out with and that hanging out with people who are constantly just going to parties or pressuring you to, like, do a lot of things it's not going to be worth it. It's just going to mess you up in the long run and got to find out, like, who you really should hang out with. I think that's really hard for a lot of young people is to kind of figure out who they can trust. You know, growing up and going through all the teen pressures and stuff, and I know I had the same thing growing up. I'm sure there are a lot of people that listen that had the same struggles in high school and, and going through different things like that, like changing their friends. That's a big deal. You know, when you get connected with a lot of people and and all of a sudden you find out they're saying stuff or they're doing stuff behind your back and lying to you. That that gets frustrating, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely does. And it definitely, um, like, brings you down and stuff. And a lot of times, like, I guess, like, I've been, like, people who I've hung out with who have, like, backstabbed me. Later on in the long run, I've been like, oh, well, we've been best friends for so long. Like, I, I just have to forgive you about it. And then, like, continue to hang out with them. But then, like, when something more serious happens, it's like, all right, well, you're not the person I really should be hanging out with or you're not, like, the friend that I thought you were. So I guess that's, like, really difficult just, like, stopping hanging out with them or finding new people to, like, socialize with and that are, like, right for you. So what would you say to someone who is going through a situation right now where they're, they found out that their friends kind of backstabbed them, said things about them, made up rumors and stuff? What would you say to that person? Hmm. I guess I would say that throughout your whole life you're going to, like, meet people who are going to, like, try and bring you down and stuff. But it's just more so of how you, like, handle it or, like, what you do to get through it and stuff. Everyone in their life is going to encounter someone that's, like, going to, like, betray them or, like, hurt them and stuff. So you just have to, I guess, just kind of push through and find someone to talk to and ask God to, like, help you and show you down, like, the right path and, like, find someone that will be there for you and, like, teach you just help you out you're not like alone i guess so you just gotta find someone that and maybe to just be a friend to somebody who's in that same boat like sometimes you know you'll come across other people that had the same thing happen to them and so you can kind of help that person through the difficulties that they're dealing with and the frustrations and just the pain of it i mean it's it's painful it's hurtful when people make up stuff about you that isn't even close to true and now all of a sudden it damages your reputation it damages you know what people think of you and i know that's a big part of what high school is about it's really about impressions and what people think of you and unfortunately that's just a reality that we have what about someone who maybe is saying things that are lies that are made up or fabricated things uh, about somebody else what would you tell them I guess that to that person, they're doing that to other people. It's not cool, and it's not, like, the right thing to do because you don't know what someone else is going through or, like, how far, like, you can push someone until, like, they, like, reach their breaking point. It's not, like, the right thing to do, and people can get, like, hurt really easily from it, or it could, like, hurt people a lot and then definitely ruin their reputation, which is going to be stuck with you for a while. So you need to find someone that you can work with to find out how to deal with it or talk about, like, why you decide to, like, hurt other people and talk about people. Try and work it out and not keep hurting people. I think sometimes we make up things so we make ourselves feel better or look better, sometimes to deflect attention from something else, maybe our own insecurities. But how important do you think it is, Brooke, to treat other people the way that you want to be treated? Oh, it's definitely very important. Like, if you're going to bully someone... You're not going to get anything nice back unless you're obviously surround yourself with other people who like to bully. In the long run, it's not going to help you anymore. Bullying someone isn't going to make you more cool. Like you might feel like it's going to make you super cool or if you're like higher in like social status, I guess that if you bully someone who's not like super outgoing, like if you want to be treated nicely back, then you should probably treat others the same way because it's really important, actually. You're not going to get anything nice returned to you if you don't show kindness to someone else. Yeah, it's absolutely important, too. And I think it's hard to, unless you have that focus, it's it can be hard to, to keep those things in mind. And 
I think it's everywhere you go in life. It doesn't have to be high school. It's real life problems. You're still going to have people who will say things, who will lie about you, who will try to deflect maybe their own insecurities from themselves and put them on somebody else and make up stuff. It's, it happens everywhere, but the reality is we got to treat people the way we want to be treated. Whether you're a guy, whether you're a girl, whether you're in high school, whether you're an adult, young adult, whatever it is, we always have to keep that in mind that it's always it always starts with us. It always starts with what we do with those things. And if we individually will choose to treat other people the way we want to be treated, I think this world would be a better place. I think you'll find those things stop. I, I, I think you'll find a lot more problems being solved um, than created. So uh, thank you so much, Brooke, for being a part of the show tonight. Thank you. Get on the tweet back right now and let us know your thoughts right now at hopenet360.com slash tweet back. Also, if you need to tonight, there's a live coach standing by. If you need to chat with someone, you can go to hopenet360.com. Click on the talk to a live coach button. More here on the show when we come back here on Hopenet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show, Jeff. DW Jason wrapping things up tonight with you. Remember, you can join the tweet back. It's still going on right now on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB or HopeNet360.com slash tweetback. We'd love to hear your voice on the show and let us know what you think about living your faith in action. What's one way that you've lived your faith out in action recently? We just did have see you at the poll. We had fields of faith, uh, lots of opportunities, um, but even more practical things. What have you done to show someone that you're a Christian or just to serve somebody? I think one of the, the coolest things that I have found in my own life is that doing acts of service, just like in, in the story of the Good Samaritan guys, is acts of service, acts of love, acts of mercy really do break down walls among people groups. Would you agree? Yeah. You know, I, I think, again, we can make it complicated or simple. The idea is to simply look and notice what other people are doing and if they have a need to, to reach out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, Jesus and his story made it so obvious. I mean, there's a great need. There's a guy laying on the side of the road that got mugged. So yeah. that's a, a, an interesting need. But I think for, for me, I mean, God wired us a certain way. We talked about this. If, if I'm not in God's family, I can never live the way I was intended to live. Yeah. But if I am in God's family, if I've put my trust in Christ, I can actually live in a way where I'm looking at what other people are doing in a way not to analyze what they're doing, but to see how can I help them be successful in life. Mm -hmm. And I think when you get in that habit, you reach a depth of life that is really fun to live and exciting to be alive every day Mm -hmm. because we're now living the way we were created. And and Jesus, I think, was basically telling this guy that complicated everything, look, it's really simple. Love God. And if you love God and you love people, here's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And and he gave him this story because Man, yeah, there's a lot of, of complicated features in the story, but Jesus made it simple. And, and I can do that. I can look at people today, and I can see their need. We had, we had a guy at church who I think is just so good at that at our church. There, uh, we had a new pastor come in, and he was candidating. And his wife was sitting in, I think, the second row all by herself. And this guy got up with his wife, went up there, and sat right next to her. Mm-hmm. You know, what he did was say, I notice you're all by yourself. I don't want you to be by yourself. That, to me, is an act of love and service. All he did was notice it. Yeah. And, and when he did that, I almost felt rebuked, like, how come I didn't notice that? Mm, yeah. You know? I should have noticed that. This, this lady was sitting all by herself, and, and somebody should have reached out to her, and he did. And after the service, I, I told him, I said, man, you are one of the greatest examples in this that I've ever seen. Because I've seen him do this so many times with people, mm. where he's just looking out for them. Mm. And, and their best interest. It doesn't even have to be overly profound at times. I mean, it's not like you have to plan to be a good person. Mm-hmm. You, you just live your life where you love God and you're loving others. And I think that's working out your faith. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it becomes contagious as you do it. You know, I, I think about the people in my life that stand out and, and, and you almost want to be a part of their life because they put others first so much. Yeah. You know, and so it even draws in, you know, more friendships too, because people can tell that you're not about yourself, you know, because I mean, who wants to hang out with that person that is all about themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, and you don't, you know, if you're all about yourself, you're willing to use somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if you're about them, you're not willing to use them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge difference. And nobody out there wants to be used. I mean, that's the the problem with relationships sometimes is you feel used in them and you are Mm -hmm. because of the fact that somebody was really thinking of themselves 
but trying to sell it to you like they're thinking of you. Yeah. Uh, God's not trying to sell you anything. He actually loves you and wants you to have the life that he created you to have. And then to live that way, that's what faith is. In Hebrews eleven six, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Okay. It's impossible. Yeah. Well, what is faith? It's just believing that God does what he says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So God loves me. Yep. I'm a sinner. Yes. He sent Jesus to die for me. Absolutely. Do you accept that? I do. And, and, and I put my hope in what Jesus did. God says, well, you're my family then. And, and from now on, you're my son. See, that's a position I have now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I need to act that way. Yeah. I don't need to prove anything to anybody. I really don't. Uh, I, I need to live in the context of how I am. I mean, what do you do practically, Jason, to show your wife that you care for her or your son that you care for him? I mean, what? Yeah, I think I think part of it is you adapt to, to their needs and even like even my schedule. Like I try to adjust my schedule. I try to adjust, you know, things that I know that she enjoys doing. I try to, you know, out of nowhere do those things because I see the the way that it impacts her and the way that she responds to that. And even the same thing with my son. I mean, he's still pretty young. He's just over a year old. But, you know, when you take the time and just play with him, you know, and chase him around the house, like he gets so excited, you know, that, that there's somebody interested in him and right. it's, it's all that. And so I think it's So it's adjusting your schedule. Yeah. So one of the things that we could ask our listeners to do if they want to live out their faith is to adjust their schedule mm-hmm. to meet with God, yep. to be with God. It, it, spend time reading the Bible and, and being taught and those kinds of things and then responding in, mm-hmm. in that context. That's one way we can live out our faith is by readjusting our schedules for God and then for others. Yeah. I mean, maybe you need to go shovel the walk in this winter of the person who lives next to you or something. And why you're thinking of them, you're thinking of their bad back or whatever it might be. And, and don't take any pay for it. Just do it because you want to help somebody. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, don't make it complicated by making rules, but begin to look and reassigning your life priorities and time. Yeah, I think one of the neatest books that I've read when it, as it relates to you know how you show love or how you show that you care about your spouse is I, I've read this book by Gary Chapman called uh, The Five Love Languages, and I think it's really important to learn what your significant other's love language is so you can speak their language, if you will. Just is that similar to, to the two love handles? I'm not going to touch that with an eight-foot pole. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave those handles alone. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> My wife looks better than she did on her wedding day. I'll just leave it at that. I'm uh, talking about my love handles, not nerves. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, on. I have the love handle problem. In so. a kilt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got a bad picture in my head. You know, I think acts of service, acts of love, acts of mercy break down walls. I also think what is, what's, again, true about this story is this guy showed compassion. He showed love with his time, with his talent, with his treasure. Those three components were a part of the story. His time, he actually stopped. You know, he, he saw the need. Uh, he used his talent to bandage up his wounds and, and get him on his donkey and head over to this inn, and then he used his treasure to pay for this guy's stay. This is exactly the same way that we do this in our own lives. If we actually care about something, we're going to give our time, our talent, our treasure to it, One of at least one of those. And uh, and for the Christian, it, it doesn't change. I mean, you can... This isn't going to secure eternal life for you. You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't give enough time to earn your way into heaven. You can't be skilled enough to earn your way into heaven. You don't have to be a professional priest or a professional gospel presenter to earn your way into heaven. That's not what Jesus was talking about here. Our faith, if we have faith in God, if we trust God with our eternal salvation, we should also then entrust him with our present realities and and to use the things that God has given to us as an extension of our faith in, in him and what he's done for us. Because Jesus ultimately, he paid the ultimate price for us. He gave his yeah. life mm-hmm. for us. He didn't hold anything back. The Bible makes that very clear. He didn't withhold anything from us, whether it was wisdom, whether it was time, whether it was the example. He lived a perfect life for us, and he showed us exactly what was right and what God expected, and he fulfilled the law. So to me, it's like it's one of those things where I'm indebted to him whether I like it or not. I'm going to be a, now I'm a slave to righteousness, as Paul talks about in Romans, that uh, it's because of what Christ did that I'm compelled to live my life in such a way and do things, whether it's an act of service, whether it's you know with my time, with my talents, with my treasure. I, just like you, Dave, you've really challenged me and stretched me to uh, live and not expect something in return, where where you're using your gifts, your talents to help other people be successful. And, and I've kind of adopted that as one of my life challenges is to help other people be successful because I, I see that over and over. That's yeah. what successful people do. They don't look mm-hmm. for success in themselves. They look in success in how can they leverage other people to be great and do great yeah. things. What's really cool is it will be judged someday not by 
the great accomplishments we have done, but by those that we have made successful mm. down the road. And, and you really multiply everything in your life that way. The more people that you have been able to influence for good. I mean, and, and just think about the human relationship we talked about. You know, if you were to ask me, hey, can I come over tonight or whatever, I'd say, well, let me check with Linda. Why? Because everything about my life revolves around the fact that I'm married and I have a relationship. And, and really, that's, mm-hmm. I think, living out my faith with God, too. If you act, should I go to a movie? Should I do this? Should I do that? What, how am I making decisions? Yeah. Well, I'm going to make a decision as somebody who loves God, and I'm going to act that way. We have posted 20 things or a part of this 20 list thing that I found at uh, ChristianityToday.com of the great ways that you can put your faith in action. Just some ideas. Whether you're a teen, you're a parent, you're an adult, doesn't matter who you are, we have to put our faith in action. It's not enough just to believe in God. It's not just enough to read our Bible. It's not just enough to go to church. But then it should be a part of our everyday life. We should be living this out. So there's some practical ways right now at HopeNet360.com to live out your faith and put it into action. We're going to pick up this conversation next week on the show. Remember, you can always download every podcast at HopeNet360.com or on iTunes. You can also leave your thoughts. You can join the tweet back right now going on on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTV. Dave, Jason, I, Tara, Kristen, all of our HopeNet Radio guests, we're all on there, and we'd love to respond to you and read your tweets as as you post them. You can also email us anytime at hope at hopenet360.com. For Jason, Dave, I'm Jeff saying so long. We'll see you guys online next week. Bye. Bye-bye.